This is the Education Gadfly Show. Beautiful porcelain cat dressed up in, in Christmas. That looks possessed. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. You heard the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming our special guest for this week. Calling in from outside of Indianapolis, Lindsay Rust, the National Director of Implementation for the American Federation of Children. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Happy to be here. Yeah, I love it. Boy, National Director of Implementation. We've been thinking about a lot about implementation recently, haven't we, David? Also joining us, David Griffith. Yep, good to be here, Mike. Thinking thinking about implementation, that's our specialty. That's right, but Lindsay actually does it. That's okay. always, I love it, because she's out there in the real world, whereas we are here in our bubble. Uh, so glad to have Lindsay with us today to talk about a, a new and improved map that is available on our website at excellence.net that is uh, in part there because of the support of the American Federation for Children. Let's talk about what that cool map does in our Ed Reform update. So, Lindsay, last April, we came out with an interactive map and an analysis looking at America's charter school deserts. These are places around the country where there are lots of disadvantaged kids. There's population density. So we're not talking about really remote rural areas, but no charter schools. And surprisingly enough, even in states that have strong charter sectors and a lot of charter activity, you can still find these uh, these deserts. Sometimes they're in cities. Oftentimes they're in inner suburbs. Sometimes they're in smaller cities around the state. But many of our friends in the private school choice world said, you know, it would be pretty cool if you could see where private schools were and find out uh, whether those private schools might be actually filling up these deserts, especially in places with uh, publicly funded scholarship programs or tax credit programs. And so with your help, we have done that now. Folks can check it out. Uh, and again, see it at, at, at excellence.net. And what do you think, Lindsay, when, when we look at this, what do we find? Well, I think it's really interesting, and um, I would, first of all, just echo what you said. It's very exciting to have the um, private sector added to this study. I really think that uh, it, it provides a more complete picture of the true landscape of, of school options around the country. Um, and to your point, it's, this is especially critical in states with um, thriving private school choice programs where parents, um, particularly those of lesser means, have better access to such models. You know, I think uh, part of the reason that this is so important and, um, you know, this is my wheelhouse as an mm -hmm. implementation director for a national school choice organization you know, I can speak to uh, the parents that are coming to us, to our state teams, to our folks on the ground out there in the community who are looking for schools. They are not just coming to us looking for one type of school, a charter school or a mm -hmm. private school. They want to know about what are all of their options. They care far less about school type or sector and far more about um, other factors like geographic proximity, academic safety, and other key program educational uh, educational program components. So I think that this is exciting and mm -hmm. um, reveals you know, some interesting um, voids in school options across the country as well as um, some of the richer landscapes of options that we see. Um, I think this can help inform mm -hmm. our policy improvement efforts around the country. And, um, you know, as I alluded to at the end of the day, this is about getting um, getting information to families. So yeah. thank you for, for this addition. Yeah, well, you know, really we need to, first of all, thank a couple of people who inspired this. Uh, the folks in Florida at Step Up for Students, which is the big tax credit scholarship program implementers down there, 
you know, they had this idea to look at this in Florida. There's also a great blog post that our colleague Kathleen Porter-McGee put out uh, when the report was released, looking at some cities, I think it was maybe New York and Cleveland, maybe Detroit, where there are some great Catholic schools that were in these charter school deserts, including some Catholic schools that that Kathleen helps to run up in New York City. Uh, And the point is, of course, that uh, that this has to be a part of the conversation. But Lindsay, David, you know, the, the challenge is, you know, as much as parents might not care about what type of school it is, you know, these policies do matter. If, if you don't have a voucher program, then if you're low income, you're not going to have access uh, to these private schools by and large. Or if the voucher or tax credit scholarship amount is so low that you're going to have to be paying big bucks out of your own pocket, you know, that's obviously an issue. I mean, it's not like we can claim at this point that in very many places, uh, the private schools and the charter schools are on an even playing field, much less with the traditional public schools. Yeah, I mean, I would say it, even in the places that are not deserts, right, often you're seeing these incredibly long uh, waiting lists, right, for for programs or for schools. So, uh, you know, even, I, I don't know, they're not even oases, really. They're more just like places where there might be water someday. I, there, it seems like to me the demand for options continues to just outstrip supply massively Mm -hmm. to the point where you know that if you look at think of it as one market um there's there's really plenty of room for all kinds of school choice to continue growing Mm -hmm. um for the foreseeable future yeah Lindsay. i mean you so how do you all work with parents around this issue about helping them understand you know that uh, well if you go to charter school it's free but if you go to the private school maybe it's not totally free but they can teach religion, you know, versus the, here's the traditional public schools. I mean, is this, is this confusing to parents or is this uh, something that's doable? Um, you know, I think it's different in every place in terms of the key uh, pieces of information that parents are looking for. But, you know, I'll use one state example in Arizona where we have a um, not only a, a thriving tax credit program, but also a uh, empowerment scholarship account uh, program. Our, we have actually have a team of bilingual canvassers working out there in the communities. They are going door to door. They're going to swap meets, um, doing everything that they can to connect with uh, families families to help walk them through the process. Look, the ESA application in Arizona is um, not simple. It uh, it can be complicated for parents, and that's why our canvassing and outreach component is so key there. Uh, You know, from the demand perspective, for us, there's two key pieces. It's the marketing campaigns, uh, doing things like digital ads, uh, mail, phone campaigns. Uh, But again, Mm -hmm. it's also the outreach component, having boots on the ground out there in the community, walking parents through the process. It's about getting them information on where are the schools, uh, what are some quality indicators at some of those schools, what is the tuition, does the scholarship cover it? The answer is different in every Mm -hmm. place. As you were talking, I I guess I'm just curious for your perspective. Uh, Do you feel like at the ground level, parents... Are, are wrapping their heads around the concept of school choice. I mean, are they increasingly savvy when it comes to uh, and, and prepared uh, when it comes to these conversations, when it comes to the search compared to, say, 10 years ago, or is it still a struggle? I think they're absolutely getting more savvy, especially in places where you have a strong landscape of school choice, you know, places like uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, here in Indianapolis, where you have really a plethora of options. In some cases, you even, you even have uh, common enrollment systems. Parents are getting more and more savvy about how to take advantage of those options. So, 
you know, from my perspective, there's a, a couple factors here. We've got to work to create new programs in places where they don't exist. Um, we've got to work to improve policy where there exist barriers to programs and to high quality schools, both mm-hmm. on the charter and the private side. Uh, but again, that third piece is the educational component. And the burden is on us at AFC as an advocacy organization working with families to make sure that families have the key information in their states to make educated choices. So it's ideal policy conditions and it's in its parent education. All right. Well said. Lindsay Rust, again, the National Director of Implementation for the American Federation of Children. Uh, Check out our new map of charter school deserts that now has private school information on there as well at at excellence.net. Thanks so much, Lindsay, for coming on the show. I hope you come back sometime. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. And now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. So the Fordham holiday party is this week. Woo-hoo! And I want to know, are you are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Except I feel really bad, but every year we have, you know, like a, a Christmas cookie swap, yeah, right? Right. And I do slice and bake. I mean, I just can't get complicated. Wait, you know? wait, 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 slice and bake? Slice what does and bake. Mean? And I was just telling you, mean? people, you, you mean? slice the cookies and you bake them. You don't oh, have to okay. like make the like, dough. Like the, the dough comes right out yeah, of the can. It comes out and you just slice it, okay. put it in the can. I mean, mm-hmm. I was telling my husband last night, is this one of the greatest inventions for cookies? You know, uh, because yeah. it's kind of, they still kind of like you made them, but you didn't buy them and they can still kind of be chewy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm all about the slice and bake. I re- you know, really Amber ended up with my white elephant gift from last year, Ooh. which is this beautiful porcelain cat dressed up in in Christmas. That looks possessed. That looks a little possessed and has a broken leg. Oh that my I, gosh. That I glued back together. And then it broke apart again. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, like, everybody's going to be on the lookout, I think, uh-huh. for, for this thing. Is that cat coming it, back Yeah, now it's going to get circulated again. Uh-huh. Make right. good song. <laughs> it, is, it is fierce. We don't play around. You know, no, this is, uh, yeah, people get pretty. Uh, uh, pretty I hope you don't have this. anything worse. You cannot have gotten anything worse than uh-huh. that last year. I can't wait to see what you got. Uh, you know, the, the, you, you shot, people, listeners be shocked to know that we, we are pretty competitive here at the Thomas <laughs> Before Them Institute. So out of character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, Amber, what you got for Anyway, us? we've heard a lot about how providing individuals with accurate information can alter their perceptions or actions. So um, I know we talk a lot about these Ednex polls, but remember how you, when you tell Americans how much teachers are paid, sometimes they, with the actual salaries, they might mm-hmm. change their position on how much the te- teacher should be paid. Right. So this kind of follows along with that same idea. It's a study out by Albert Ching and Paul Peterson in the Journal of Higher Education that examines whether providing adults with information about college cost and college returns mm-hmm. changes their future post-secondary aspirations for their child. Mm-hmm. Okay, They conduct a survey experiment using a nationally representative sample of around 4,200 U.S. adults, and they estimate how providing additional information impacts whether they prefer a four-year degree, a two-year degree, or no further education for their child. Other adults without children or with children older than 18 or ask about a hypothetical child. They divide. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's different. My hypothetical child yeah, is way child. above average. <laughs> <laughs> they divide the sample into four groups of similar sizes and randomly assign them to one control and three treatment groups such that the differences across groups should be attributable to the mm-hmm. differences in the amount or type of information received. So the four groups are number one, the control group without the informational intervention. Number two, a group that receives information on both the net cost and returns of both, Mm -hmm. so both. 
Uh, the third group gets only information about the, what's that one? Third has got to be just on the cost. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is just on the returns, okay, to the two right. and four-year degree. Unfortunately, you have to hunt down the online appendix to figure out exactly what, what the amounts are, okay? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the national averages for these returns are on two years and four years degree, but they're, they're national a- estimates. And national estimates on tuition as on well. On tuition, I that's mean, right. Which, okay. I mean, there. I mean, the because of course all this stuff varies dramatically that's right yeah. so it's not local regional any of that stuff there's okay. effective tuition versus paper anyway that's right. yeah. so yeah. i didn't i didn't go to the online appendix okay. but what i did know is they did put in the regular article what they asked the key sort of stem question which is thinking about your oldest child younger than younger than 18 would you want your child to go to a community college to earn a two-year degree a university to earn a four-year degree or ne- neither mm-hmm. that's what they could ask okay. and then then they get the information, blah, blah, blah. Okay, or they don't. Yeah. And they All get right. asked again. That's right. So key findings, uh, descriptively, how many parents do you think prefer their child to attend a four-year university? Before they get any information? Before. It's just descriptive findings. Just And baseline. how old are the kids? The kids are any age. They're just age. any age that's, mm. right, younger than 18. 80%. Yeah, Which I'm going to say uh, 70 you guys are good. 79%. Mm-hmm. So, um, nice. 13% desire <laughs> a two-year... <laughs> I was going to say 80, but you already Speaking said Speaking of competition, uh, anyway, 13% <laughs> desire a two-year community college and 8% don't wish their child to receive any post-secondary education. Other adults choose, meaning the non-parents or the parents without those kids in that age, uh, choose the four-year option less frequently by 11 percentage points and the two-year option more frequently by 8 percentage points. But despite these descriptive differences, treatment of effects for the parents and other adults are similar. So, you had a little bit of movement where parents um, moved toward the two-year when you told them about, about mm-hmm. the cost. Okay. And you had a little movement with the other adults when you told them about the returns, where they would kind of go a little bit more towards the four-year. Mm-hmm. But basically, when you told everybody about both the mm-hmm. returns and the cost, you saw no difference compared to the treatment group, okay? Mm. When looking at household income... again of high-income earners in the control group preferred the four-year option, but the percentages for middle and low-income earners in the control group were 10 and 26 percentage points lower, respectively. So, again, you see these differences by income when you provide, you know, the information on both, Mm -hmm. okay? But, um, I mean, you don't see the difference. I'm sorry, I just misspoke. You don't see the differences. That's descriptively. But when you look at the impact, you don't see the differences, okay? But when they slice it by income, that's Mm -hmm. when you start to see some differences. So, um, specifically, middle income, this is really interesting, middle income respondents, when presented with both cost and return information Mm -hmm. on two and four-year degrees, shifted away from the four-year option, Mm -hmm. while the high-income parents shifted towards it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> um, and the cost information alone altered the aspirations of the middle-income parents, just telling the cost, mm-hmm. um, who were subsequently 10 percentage points less likely to choose that four-year option and instead go to the two-year. And then when they, when you ask them, sliced about education, you saw similar patterns. Um, they couldn't do too much on race because they didn't have enough African-Americans in the sample. So to recap, because I know that was a lot, providing information on both cost and returns did not close this, what they call the SES aspirations gap, mm-hmm. okay? Um, the only significant impact of the treatment of giving them this information was that it widened the gap between the high mm-hmm. and the middle income group, which mm-hmm. I just told you about. Uh, in the end, they hi- hypothesized that, you know, when you just give these little small bits of information pertaining to college cost and earnings or returns, mm-hmm. that that's really not enough to alter these parental aspirations because, I mean, let's just get honest. These things are embedded in a lot more cultural mm-hmm. and social 
context. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I've got. Yeah, I also wonder. Uh, I mean, they gave them averages. They gave them averages. Yeah, right. National so I wonder right. if the national average is below what the high income parent is assuming that's they right. will pay yeah. at. And that is one of the really? key limitations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's right. And and you know another way it'd be interesting to slice the data would be uh, the parents' own education level. Mm-hmm. That probably maps pretty well onto these income. Right? Yep, but, I uh, think that's right. I think I saw that in there. I mm-hmm. think it's hard for parents who got to go to a four-year college to think of anything less than that for their own kids. That's right. Right? Yep. Even though uh, there could be some pretty good evidence that for lots of kids, a two-year program in the right field might might be better, might mm-hmm. be better off in terms of what they enjoy doing, might be better off in terms mm-hmm. or of Or salary-wise equal, but... Or salary, you know, right. Again, depending know. on the field. Right. Yeah, I, also, I guess I just wonder if cost... And return is really the where the problem is, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. another interpretation is that parents already have a pretty good sense of how much college mm-hmm. costs and a pretty mm-hmm. good sense that a college degree is still, on average, yeah. right, worth getting, yeah. even if you accrue some debt. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess, you know, to speak to Mike's concerns about this sort of thing, I, I mean, I just wonder if... Uh, the real challenge has more to do with how your kid is doing, yeah, right? Whether right. your kid is, you know, really college material, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it right. sounds offensive even in the abstract, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's, you know, when it's actually your kid, it's 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 really a hard thing. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I think that's where my, my intuition is, that's where the challenge is, not that. But ironically, they didn't see huge differences mm-hmm. when they looked at the other adults, right? With the hypothetical kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That was kind of interesting. You know, I'm always still fascinated that the number's so high. As, you know, David guessed correctly, uh, mm-hmm. went 79% That's of parents okay, with these college the aspirations. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, you know, given what's happening in our politics, right? right? I mean, there's, you know, higher education has become this huge dividing line mm-hmm. that uh, so much, so many Trump supporters, increasingly Republicans, are uh, people that do not have four year college degrees. And so I, I'm just always curious mm-hmm. if, if there's this sense out there that if your kid goes off, to college, they're going to join the other tribe. Mm. I mean, there's already an issue in rural America where if your kid goes off to college, they're probably not coming back. back right. You know, but what if they don't come back? You know, they mm-hmm. they, they join the other team also. But anyways, uh, but yeah, that there's not much sign that. of that, right? I mean, yeah. that, that doesn't seem like uh, parents are, are... Yeah, although they did have a little... I didn't get into it here. They did look mm-hmm. at political affiliation yeah. and found that when you presented... Uh, information on cost only yeah. that that the Democrats went down in terms of wanting the yeah. four year and they didn't see that with the Republicans. So anyway, people are complicated, Mike. <laughs> they they contain multitudes. They are. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I just still think it's very big. It's still still a stigma. I think we're working against with you know kids who go to the two year or the no college. I mean, I still think it's fundamentally a lot of, about that. I think it's also possible to overstate it. I mean, we all focus on the differences because the elections are decided you know on the margins, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of. Trump supporters who went to college and a lot of, you That's know, right. uh, non-Trump right. supporters who didn't go to college. Correct. I I don't have the f- numbers at my fingertips, but I mean, in some ways, when you refract these things through politics, they make us seem more different more than we are. Not enough nuance to these Very things. Very well said. Okay, good stuff, Amber. Thank yes. you. Uh, I guess that counts as an experimental study right think, even though it's a little yeah, squishy yeah, public no. opinion but that, that's fine they get a lot of hey these ednex guys do a lot with these experimental they things they, on these surveys they take so. advantage of that yes. ednex survey all right good. hey that is all the time we got for this week because we got to get to a holiday party Woo-hoo! people until next who's week who's gonna get the cats i'm david griffin and i'm mike patrilli the thomas Fordham institute signing off
The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.